Hello, my fans, friends. Welcome to the Rich Terring podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. Thanks to everyone who's come to see the Can I Have My Ball Back tour so far. It's been going really well. I've got a four-star review in The Standard, four-star review in The Telegraph, who once called me the worst comedy experience of the year, so that's a turnaround. Uh, people have been coming, people have really been enjoying it, and it's getting better and better. The only gigs this week are both in Pocklington, the town I was born in, near York. Uh, there's a couple of tickets left for the evening show and a few more tickets left for the matinee, I think about 4.30. But love to see you there, Yorkshire. Pop along. Check richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs to see if I'm coming near to you. There are tickets left for nearly every show in the tour. I think Norwich has sold out. Uh, and a couple of gigs in London could do with your support as well. Anyway, please listen to the podcast. Do spread the news about the podcast to your friends. Listen as much as you can. Numbers are slightly down, which may affect the future of this podcast. So just leave it playing, even if you're not in the room. Love you. <laughs> now sit back, relax and enjoy whatever it is you're going to listen to. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who is overwhelmed by the passage of time. It's Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Oh, you're about equal with last week's audience. I'd say slightly... Almost exactly the same, slightly worse. But thank you for coming back. I mean, thank you for coming back this week. Welcome to... Welcome to Richard... We only do one a week. We've got to keep it up. <laughs> Welcome to Richard Harris Lesson Squared Theatre Podcast. I was talking to William Ringpiece Thackeray. Uh, he wrote uh, the terrible book Vanity Fair. Oh, Vanitatus, Vanitatum. I studied it for A-level. Uh, and uh, also Collie Kibber, the pompous poet laureate of the time. And Henry Fielding, who wrote Tom Jones. Uh, and Henry Fielding calls it Rahulastapa. Because he's, he's the only cool one of those 18th century authors. Am I right? And uh, poets. There's a, there's a statue of Collie Kibber in Soho Square. Go and have a look. He's a cunt. 
my favourite thing about Henry Field, it's got a very uh, highbrow, hasn't it? It's got a very highbrow this week, hasn't it? Favourite thing about uh, Henry Fielding is that he keeps on going about Collie Kibber and how rubbish he is and parodying Collie Kibber. And that's the only reason I know who Collie Kibber is, because of Henry Fielding. And that's, that fills me with delight. I'm hoping that in 200 years' time, that's how people will only know about Stuart Lee through, <laughs> through, my, through my work. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's in the theatre at the same time as me. He's left... Uh, I don't think he's drawn it himself, but there's a gigantic piece of fan art above the mirror of his stupid face looking down. Next, next to his links. He wears links. He likes the links. Gets the links. He wears links. I, I, had, I put some on last week. I mean, two weeks or three weeks ago. And... Uh, terrible. Uh, I went back to Shepherd's Bush for the first time in uh, five years. I, I used to live in Shepherd's Bush and I moved out and uh, I went back this week for the first time, like, walking the streets of Bush, Shepherd's Bush uh, and it's only five years, but it's changed a lot. That's why I'm feeling overwhelmed by the passage of time. Um, the House of Frasers closing down. Everything's 20% off. It looks like a charity shop. It used to be the cl- classy shop in the Westfield. The Apple store's gone. What's gone? Didn't know things were going so badly for Apple. They're closing... Having a bad time. They've closed down. Um, they, uh, Albertine's has closed down the wine bar I used to go to. Yeah. <laughs> There's a temping bowling, though. So, you know, it swings around, and that's, that made me want to move back to Shepherd's Bush. Otherwise, I'm not really missing Shepherd's Bush. But it was nice to go back and see it. Um, look, we'll crack on. We've got a fantastic guest for you this week. Uh, he's probably, although I'm pretty sure this is not one of his real credits, but it's on his IMDb page, and that's good enough for me. He's probably best known for being the production assistant on Pete Small is Dead, a movie starring Peter Dinklage and Steve Buscemi. It just seems unlikely that that's him. (laughs) Will you please welcome the incredible Chris McCausland, ladies and gentlemen. Here he is. Great. Here we go. Hello, come on down. Sit. Hello. Come on down. Sit down. Is that you, Chris McCausland, from it, uh, the Pete Smalls is dead? It's not my. No. Oh. Um, I mean, there can't be too many Chris McCauslands, but I know there's a there's a rally driver. That's not me either. That'd be a, <laughs> that'd be a fucking disaster, wouldn't it? Um, had a career of um, three days. The Chris McCausland, the rally rally driver. Uh, there's an accountant as well. Yeah. Um, and um, and there's obviously a production assistant on um, I've never even heard of it, mate. What was oh, it called? He's, he's on your IMDb page as you. So sometimes they have, like, Chris McCausland's one, two, and three on there, but he's one of his credits has got it onto your page. I can, do you know what? I honestly didn't know I had an IMDb page. <laughs> well, that's what I live by. That's basically uh, my research. Uh, so we're going to be talking through your IMDb page as we go. Um, <laughs> you're. I mean, you. What I nearly chose, but I think this might be your one of your main credits. Is it, you played Rudy the street trader in the somewhat unfortunately named Me Too. Oh yeah, it's. Um, <laughs> in retrospect, the worst named children's TV show that there's ever been, really, isn't it? <laughs> it, um, it does mean that whenever you Google my name now, one of the re- one of the suggested search entries is Chris McCausland Me Too, which. <laughs> <laughs> which people must Google me and go, what's he done? <laughs> Dirty tick grabber. Um, so, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I, I can't even, like... 
me, like, my daughter's old enough to, now to have an interest in what I do, but I can't even tell her to, like, look it up, can I, in case <laughs> something horrific comes up? <laughs> it's, was it sort of a... Was it made by the same people as Balamori? There's a very Balamori feel to, 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 the, to that show. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was the... Um, it, it was the... Um, the, the far more unsuccessful sequel. <laughs> um, it was basically just um, saying things over enthusiastically in um, silly clothing, wasn't it? And um, I remember when they asked me to do it, because I'd only been doing stand-up a few years by that point, and, yeah. um, and I, I thought, oh, God, I can't do that. That's, that's embarrassing. I'm not doing that. But I thought, well, just go up, find out everything, and, uh, and then say no. <laughs> and I went up, and I just they just got me arsing round for the day, and I said, "You want to pay me to do this?" And he went, "Yeah." I said, it's "Just arsing round, isn't it? I'll do that." <laughs> so I went up to do it. Day one, they had me in a frock with a lampshade on my head. <laughs> I was, "Oh God, I've made a grave error." <laughs> but um, I think what it did, Rich, is it um, it massively increased my threshold for embarrassment, and um, which which is quite a, which is quite a good thing when you yeah. when you're a stand-up comedian. <laughs> it is well, you know, Miles Jupp. I always used to take the Mickey Avin being in Balamori, and I think the I think the the acting in Me Too is is actually much better than uh, Balamori. Yeah, I think we really found the the the, the inner drama of the characters. <laughs> I think you did. You know, <laughs> there was um, there was a lovely episode about um, about um, you know um, going to Switzerland to um, end your life early. Um, <laughs> Which I think really captured the heart of the three-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, I was trying to remember what it's called. It's something serious. I couldn't think of the words. <laughs> um, look, you are—you know, obviously, I'm surprised in some ways how long you've been a stand-up comedian. But just time passes so quickly. Yeah. You started being a stand-up comedian in 2003, having. Uh, what what drew you in? I mean, that's a lot. You've you've sort of risen to prominence in the last couple of years as a stand up. I think you're, you're on TV a lot now, but it's but it's you've you've done you've put the time in as a stand up. Yeah, like and it's pretty much all I've done. So it, it's like I, I I was I was at like like I did a lot of gigs. Like in terms of the circuit, um, I've I've never stopped apart from. The lockdowns, really. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and and a lot. Like I was always working. Um, so I think, yeah, uh, it, it's it's. I think it's really um, done me good. Like in that I'm doing shows and I feel like I've got a lot of. Um, I've played a lot of different rooms, you know. Yeah. And um, you feel like you've got a lot of strings to your bow in in terms of um, playing any situation really that comes up. They're all yeah, transferable it, skills, aren't they? You know. They are, and it's in, because it doesn't happen. Well, I guess there's a lot of people who, who gig in clubs for all well, their whole lives and for several decades, but it's kind of to, it's kind of rarer now. In the old days, people would work for twenty years and then get TV, and and now it's quite rare someone to work for twenty years and then get TV. You know, suddenly suddenly get lots of TV work. I mean, you know, you would you've done TV over those times, but it's sort of really hit yeah. a perfect patch now. But it's it is much better as a result of you know you absolutely <laughs> uh, you know you know what you're doing as a stand up. Yeah, you just got a lot more um, confidence in, and, yeah. and comfort in yourself. So like I, I think if I'd have got a lot of TV ten years ago, um, a lot of these same shows, I don't think I'd have been as good. Not even because of the skills, but just because of me level of comfort in myself. I think I would have tried to be like play the character of a, like a cooler comedian. Do you know, what I, and, sure. and like be the kind of um, the deadpan cool guy on the telly. I think I would have tried to force a persona 
Whereas now I'm just fucking happy to be there. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like 10 years ago, I would have tried to just keep a straight face and just say me punchline. Whereas now I've just got this big, stupid, dumb grin on my face and I'm laughing at everyone's jokes. And, um, and I think it, I, if you look like you're having a good time. Yeah. It, it, um, it, all, it all kind of, you know, works better, doesn't it? Yeah. What drew you? Because you worked in uh, IT, really, was it before, was before you were comedian yeah so my degrees in software engineering yeah and um, i've got zero performance skills to my name up until <laughs> try and stand up um before stand up my uh my cv was basically just um school nativity um i i was an angel once and i got a nosebleed and i had to be airlifted out of the um the, the whatever you call it, what's that little thing? The parade of fucking um angels it was honestly i i just got this nosebleed and, and I panicked and shook my head and it sprayed everywhere. It looked like, a, <laughs> looked like they'd been a drive-by shooting at <laughs> uh, the Angels. And um, that was... Um, that, and I remember once as well, I had one school play, I remember my only job was to smash two cymbals together. And I was so bored. I was twiddling one of the cymbals around on the strap until it couldn't go any further and then spinning it back the other way like that. And then when it finally came to my bit, I'd weakened the connection. So I flung my arms apart and this cymbal just went flying across the room. <laughs> so I didn't have a massive amount of um, success on stage. Um, degree in software engineering, A-levels in maths and further maths and computers. And, um, and I'm a geek deep down, but um, I stopped doing the, um, the computers because of my eyesight. So it all became, um, you know, I mean, I was a website designer and the websites were just fucking ugly. So <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and I just I hated being slower than the person next to me. You know, you can you can always do things like if you if you've got something that hinders you in ways, there's always ways of doing things. But I hate being like worse or slower than somebody else because of it. I'd rather find something else to do. So, yeah, I um, I was working in a call center doing business sales for like um, care home risk assessment software and Oh, riveting it was. And, um, and that's when I started Stand Up Mate, which right. is like a, a little um, bucket list thing to have a go. And I think driven on by the monotony of the call centre and just my just lack of uh, fulfilment in my job, really. Yeah. It became a hobby. Yeah. Like an escape, really, you know? Yeah. So how quickly did you, did, were you sort of then, did it become your job? Was two it, years. Yeah. So maybe, a bit, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just hammered it for two years because yeah. I, I did one gig in like the July, and then one in August, and one in September, and then um, and then after that, they I just kind of it became like um, a bit of an escape from the monotony of the job, and you meet interesting people, and and um, didn't it wasn't really a, I'm going to be a comedian. It was just um, it was just something I really liked doing, and then somebody gave me a fiver and then a tenner, <laughs> and you get to the point, don't you, where. You can't give up the job until you've got enough money coming in, but you can't get enough money coming in until you've given up the job. So you have to get yourself to kind of a, a reasonable jumping off point and just hope for the best. Um, but I did that within um, within two years, really. Terrific, yeah. And early on, I read that you sort of, you know, you addressed that you were blind, but then, but then sort of left it behind. Yeah, I didn't talk about it um, because I... Um, I mean, I, I, at the time... Like, I think 
me me idea was that I wanted to um, basically I was a big comedy fan so I didn't get into stand up because I thought I've got something I can milk <laughs> but also I knew that if I was sat in the audience and I came on stage I'd think oh fuck it now <laughs> it's going to be like 20 minutes of blind jokes isn't it <laughs> and so me the the aim was to just flick that in his head and not mention it and um so I'd do a joke at the beginning because I'd have to and then I'd just, um, just move on and do other stuff. And it, so it was all about challenging preconceptions, really. And, and, and I think that is still true. But I do think also that, like, now I'm 45 and I look back, I, um, I, I think I just didn't have anything original to say, really. I, yeah. Like, I didn't... It would have been crass jokes that were just, you know, I didn't see it. And, um, <laughs> and also, I don't think I was massively comfortable with myself... Um, uh, in terms of losing my sight and maybe I just wasn't comfortable in my own skin so like I'm 45 now and and you kind of um, you you kind of grow into your own skin I haven't haven't been able to see for over 20 years now and um, it's um, I think becoming a a dad kind of changes your priorities as well and um, and you don't really have that weight of needing to be the cool 20 odd year old And, um, and, and so all of that maybe was going on as well but like I, at the time it was just me trying to um challenge the preconceptions and um you yeah. know and uh, well that's and, understandable and it, can, it sort of makes sense but then again it is it's such a unique well not unique but from a stand in a stand-up terms it's, it's uh, an unusual perspective and and that's the great thing about stand-up is you can work your way through that subjects like this and things that have happened to you like this for yourself and for the audience as well so you know it does it, it it's it's good that you talk about it more now. Maybe. Yeah, and, and and I think I've just got more, as I say, more original things to say on it, more life experiences. And, and the good thing is, is that they are often things that everyone can relate to, but just with a bit of a twist on it. So yeah. um, you, you, you don't feel like it, it's not really like you're taking people out of their world massively. You're just making them see their own world from a slightly different perspective, really. Yeah. And, and that works for me. Um, but still, like, you know, the... the the, the tour show at the minute is probably the most I've talked about it. And, but apart from a few little references, it's it's the, the show's about an hour and a half, and it's the last half an hour really that I kind of um, get into it a bit more. Yeah. Um, in in the, um, the 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 tour show at the minute is yeah I'm a stand up fan. I like I like um, you know just traditional subjects of stand up as well. I like obscure stuff. I like surreal stuff. But I I also just like talking about life and the reason we all enjoy it is because we can all relate to the relatable and so whereas I will talk about in the show you know some of the stuff with regard to mine and my wife's relationship and the conflicts of her being from Brazil and me being from Liverpool and and the difficult you know how difficult my daughter was and all of that kind of traditional stuff the last half an hour really flips her on the head and and I kind of talk about I I hopefully a lot more honestly about you know, my own shortcomings as both a dad and a husband in that, um, you know, the shit tons that I can't do or, sure. you know, that I was terrified of um, getting into being a dad because, I, as I said, I only want to do things that I can do well. And if I don't think I can do something properly, I tend to find something else to do. But you can't really um, sidestep that, really, if you, um, if you end up having a kid. You've kind of just got to do the best you can do um, at all the things that still need doing irrelevant of um, 
whether you want to or not. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what but, I mean? You know, but it's really, I mean, yeah. I think you, you, you are such a good stand-up and like, as you say, a lot of your stuff is about, is, is about things that are absolutely relatable that happen to everyone, family relationships and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But it also, just, you know, I think like, even things like you talking about uh, audio descriptions in porn, it's something that's, that yeah. you would, you know, I wasn't even, I had to look it, I did look it up. So I, I did go to Pornhub and, See if you were telling the truth, because you do a very funny routine about it. Yeah, but it, but it, you know, it's something that you wouldn't even cross your mind unless astonishing, <laughs> isn't it? Like it is. <laughs> I did it on um, live live at the Apollo. I didn't expect it to make the edit, to be honest. But um, <laughs> it was kind of like she has an expression on her face that says that says she she wishes she'd have tried harder at school. <laughs> <laughs> he has an expression on his face that says he's glad he didn't try harder at school. Um, but yeah, it's—I um, mean, it's an odd thing, isn't it? You know, porn is very, very, um, very, very visual. Yes. And um, as funny as it is to think that somebody's gone to the trouble of making it accessible, I'm not really sure you're getting the full out of it. You know. <laughs> I sort of feel like that um, someone talking over it might cover up anything that you might have got out of it because the, the sound of the sex might be enough to, to give you something but someone talking over and describing it was all like shut up mate I'm trying to, yeah. trying to listen in at this <laughs> <laughs> you're ruining it um, but you know but that's what I mean so it, having that perspective that you know it, it's, it's what comedy is about isn't it it's about finding your it's about connecting with an audience but also from your own from your own perspective yeah and, and so having that range of experience that that most people wouldn't have is... it is yeah but it's also about not going on about it no, and, um, and leaving people wanting to know more and yeah. leaving them wanting to be like leaving them interested but wanting to know more rather than going on about it until it just becomes predictable or or tiring i think um, I still feel like that, but I do. But I, I think I've just got a lot more original shit to say these days. So it's 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 it, it's more, you know, yeah, more comfortable in my skin as well, mate. Yeah, well, that's that's good. It's good to uh, to have that. It's I know what it's like, uh, Chris, because um, I have aphantasia, so it's very, which is uh, so I have a serious. Isn't that a Disney film? <laughs> <laughs> so I can't. I my I'm blind inside. I can see. But I can't see inside my head. So, you know, it's the same, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you can't see inside your head. I've got no... My, my, I can't... If you... Uh, uh, can you... If you... If you can, do you have, do you have a mental image? I don't have no mental images, so I can't... I can't you can't imagine something? If I close my eyes, I can only see blackness. And I can imagine things, but not... I can't see them. Wow. Whereas yeah. I can imagine things, but I can't see outside my head. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Together. We should, we should team up, mate. <laughs> Together, we make a whole person <laughs> with three balls. <laughs> three balls. <laughs> I, didn't realize, I didn't realise until, uh, until lockdown that I, could, that I didn't. I thought I always assumed I could see stuff inside my head, but I can't. So what, what, like, what do you mean you always assumed... Well, I just assumed that the way I imagine is the way that everyone imagines. And I can't if you'd asked me. But well, how said, do you imagine, then? I close my eyes and I think of stuff, and I... But that's what imagining is. <laughs> but I can't see it. But I can't see it. Some people... I, mean, I didn't know that you could actually, you know, have a cinema going on in your head. So have you got a cinema going on in your head? So you, because you so could... So what do you see? Just like a spreadsheet entry? I just see... <laughs> I see blackness, and then occasionally I get, like, a little flash or something, but it's like it's behind my eyesight in, in my in my brain so wow. it's like it's sort of like a shadow uh, you know a flicker of a shadow i might see something i've been trying to train myself to 
to see. And, and I don't know if you've tried this. It might be. Yeah. Might be. <laughs> I mean, I'm just just suggesting. I don't know if you thought about just yeah, trying to see. I do see. this thing where I just rub, <laughs> I rub myself on the back of the head for five minutes every day. <laughs> so look, I think you and I are very similar, and we've been through much the same stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Just because I didn't realise I, I had the. Do you, um, do you get do you get like a parking badge for that? <laughs> I should do. But uh, <laughs> like you, I wouldn't, you know, I don't milk it, that's, uh, but do, uh, I wouldn't milk a physical disability, but um, do buy my book, Can I Have My Ball Back, and uh, listen to my sitcom, <laughs> Relativity, and uh, there's a podcast coming out as well. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> I've never even heard of it, I fancy. <laughs> Imagine if I told you that and you realised, you know, you were, you were double blind, that could have ruined your night, couldn't it? So at least yeah. you... No, I mean, I'm, well, you say it. I, I imagine the little buckets and the mops and the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the dancing things of the film, but you can't even do that, can you? No, I can't. <laughs> and it's a very serious thing, and I would prefer it if you wouldn't make light of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, well, this is this, and I know you've told this story a few times, but when you were looking for, for work, uh, you almost became a, a spy. Is this before you were a stand up comedian? Yeah. Yeah, so I, you got you got quite far into becoming a, a spy. I did, mate. I, I got down to the last thirty out of three thousand potential spies. I was in the top one percent of, um, of 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 spies that this country has to offer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which you're waiting for the punchline is the genuinely. Um, <laughs> so I was um, I was unemployed uh, for a while. Um, before I worked in the call centre, like I didn't want to do the programming anymore, and uh, was applying for things and, and wasn't um, getting the jobs I was applying for. It was basically started applying for mad shit, and, and you can apply to work for MI5 through like a. Um, you go to the building. There's no sign saying MI5 on the building, and like they don't even like say welcome to MI5 when you go in. It's a secret. They don't really want anyone knowing where it is. However. If you just applied for the graduate scheme, they send you a map with an arrow on it. <laughs> <laughs> so I applied through that and went through all the different, um, all the different uh, well, psychometric, and then the um, the uh, the interviews um, and 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 a full full day assessment where I had to I had to sift through all of the 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 information that they provided that there was all different threats and i had to identify the most immediate threat and have a meeting with the surveillance team to get this guy surveilled and 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 it was uh, it was quite a long thing i got down to 30 out of 3000 and um and then i, I remember getting the letter which said that i haven't got the job and it, they said it was because of my eyesight and they said it was um I remember the word in my inability to sift through vast amounts of information and identify a threat in a very limited period of time, right? <laughs> Basically, the bomb would have gone off, right? <laughs> While I was like halfway through my inbox. And, um, and I, I remember the, uh, the person who was helping me like apply for stuff at the time, like from a charity who was like helping me fill forms out and shit. She goes, um, she goes that's discrimination. They, people can't, there's the Disability Discrimination Act. She could, they can't not give you that job because it, I said, that, I don't want to live in a country that would give me that job. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that sometimes we need discrimination. <laughs> Coming out on bloody the new, oh, the Waterloo's blowing up. Sorry, but the guy we had working on this is blind. It takes him a little bit longer than everybody else. Um, 
So I think sometimes a little bit of discrimination is um, is necessary for the safety of the nation. Um, but yeah, very it doesn't say almost... much for them that you got that far before they r realised you were blind, though, Chris. That, that's <laughs> it, it they're not very good at spying themselves, are they? They didn't even. Spot but you them. know what? There was one. I remember one interview <laughs> where the guy goes, um, the guy, the, the guy. I mean, I, I signed the official secrets act for this, but like, um... <laughs> but if you don't hear from me again. <laughs> Um, it, I, I remember being in the interview and he said, he talked about my disability and he goes, um, he goes, part of the job is running agents. Like, cause I thought an agent was like, you, you, you spy and it's not the agent is the, the public or the people with the information. Um, and as a, as a, as an employee, as a spy, you have to manage these people, these agents. And he goes, part of the job is running these agents and meeting up with them in staked out locations, secure locations to trade or obtain information. Uh, and your disability uh, strikes me as being a bit of a security risk. And like, because I had to just apply just for the sake of it. I didn't really have any ambition for the thing. I was applying. I just said, what's more undercover than a blind bloke meeting his mate in the pub for a pint, right? <laughs> and he just went, yeah, good point. And then he scribbled something on his phone. And I've always wondered whether he just wrote, more blind people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> What they need is people pretending to be blind people. Yeah. Because then the, the foreign agents will go, oh, it doesn't matter. None of those people in here can see. So yeah. we, can, we can show the plans to each other. Yeah. And then, so you would have to teach people how to appear to be blind. I Absolutely. Why stick with a poison tip or something? <laughs> <laughs> but of course, if you had become a spy, you would say you hadn't become a spy. And, well, and I would tell you all that I've been a comedian for 20 years, yeah. Rich. And, um, be the perfect cover. Yeah. And so I think it's... Um, I'm just undercover to try and, um, try and um, catch Jimmy Carr hiding some of his income. That's <laughs> what I'm, it's been quite a, long, um, quite a long project. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Um, look, but you've been doing so much stuff. I think people might have seen you recently doing a very funny bit with Lee Mack at the the BAFTAs, which was uh, terrific which, with with the autocue. Yeah. Was a fantastic bit. Went well, didn't it? It did go very well. Shit in me pants, I was. <laughs> <laughs> it was... Um, because when you do the BAFTAs and you present something, they um, they, they they put you together, um, and like I know Lee from like, would I lie to you a few times? We work together, we get on well, and he lives quite close to me. So we were like, well, let's get together, and rather than just tearing up and winging it, let's try and write something that's funny. Um, so we came up with this idea where like he'd be reading my bits off the auto cue to me, but then we get all confused. But it's on YouTube if you didn't see it, but. Like we kept, it was re- like the more we kind of wrote this together, it, it, like we were really happy that it was quite old school. It was kind of um, two Ronnies esque in a, in a yeah. way, like real kind of um, double act stuff. Yeah. But like we'd never tried it in front of anyone, <laughs> and it was so kind of um, intricately scripted that if it didn't work, we were gonna die on our ass <laughs> in front of the entire TV industry <laughs> on um, on live TV. Yeah. Um, and I remember stood in the wings waiting to go on with him and I said, Lee, do you want to just announce the nomination so we can fuck off? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, don't chicken out on me now, Chris. <laughs> um, but honestly, I, as soon as we got that first laugh, and I was like, I wasn't even expecting a laugh there. That, this is going to be fine. <laughs> and, um, you just settle into the timing. And yeah. Do you know what? Because... It, 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 it was in my head. I didn't want to be the person that made Lee Mack not funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'd have, he'd, have, he'd have turned on. If it had started going wrong, he'd have, he'd have turned on you in a second. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of guy he is. He'd have got out of it, but he'd have, he'd have left you standing. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but it, went, it went very well. And it, he's such a generous, um, such a generous guy comedically, yeah. you know, in terms of, like, he, he's, he's got a lot more of a... a a, a TV career than I have and a lot more of a reputation, um, you know, but he's he not only is he up for just getting stuck in and trying something a bit risky, but he's also very generous in in, in sharing the laughs yeah. and, and not necessarily, oh, that line needs to be mine. Or, do you know what I mean? He just wants yeah, yeah. the whole thing to be funny for both of us, really. Yeah, um, well, that's, so. a, you know, I, think, I suppose that's interesting because stand-ups often, you know, become quite... Um, Self-reliant, and, and obviously they're, they're used to getting their laughs on their own, but I think once you move into that, when you're working with other people, you have to understand that, you know, the if you get a laugh, you're all getting the laugh. It yeah. doesn't, doesn't matter who says the line, so it's not about you getting the laugh anymore, but some stand-ups find that more difficult than others, I think. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 and it's certainly... Um... You know, if you watch it back as well, I think I think he commented to me afterwards that he, it's not often he plays the straight the straight guy in the double act because yeah. he was feeding <laughs> yeah. a lot of the lines in. If you if you know what I mean, but yeah. um, yeah, I, I mean I was so, so fucking relieved mate, when I came off stage. <laughs> I think I was more happy than the person who we gave the award to. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because you know it is a, you do take a chance, but a lot of the, a lot of times on uh, award shows. It either fails or someone misjudges the mood. It's very rare people get, you know, you remember the people who do it really, really well. And so actually, if you can, if you can make that moment shine, it is better because I think that will have done, you know, I think that will have done you a, a, a lot of good in terms of extra uh, other work and people knowing who you are and everything. So just it's weird that something, a little sketch like that can sort of change. Yeah, I, th- I think so because you're, you're literally doing it in front of everybody that makes TV shows, yeah. really. So... Yeah. Um, 
all, all, all good. I mean, I'm still waiting for the calls, but I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's bit, see, look at your IMDb page. It's interesting because you've done some acting in your time. You've done little bits of telly. You know, you've, yeah. been in some, you've been even in EastEnders and you've done, you've done some nice I did some one nice day, act- mate. I wouldn't, yeah. yeah I did. But, well, you've done some g- 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 nice jobs. But if you look at it, there's so much from the from 2020, what, 20 and 21, yeah. so 22. Like I, so everything's happened the last two or three years for you in, yeah. in TV terms. So I was told, really, that to, like, to do the panel shows, you need to do um, Mock of the Week and you need to do 8 out of 10 cats. And um, neither of them really would have me. Um, and was, I did Live at the Apollo um, in 2017 or 18, um, and and that that really couldn't have gone better, um, but it still couldn't get either of those two panel shows on the back of it. Um, and then I ended up getting Would I Lie to You was the first one, right. the first panel show I did. Um, so kind of went straight in at the the the, the other end really. Um, and I mean that that that, that was such a lovely um, experience and such an amazing thing to do pre pre. Covid, really, in in the the, the panel shows since Covid have, have been a massively different experience. But um, to do that with a full studio audience, and then because that's Zepatron, then I got Catster's Countdown. Yeah, uh, and and have I got news for you as well? Came came on the back of doing that. Would I lie to you? So that was only three things, probably in in the um, in the nearly two and a half years since doing that live at the Apollo. Right. And then it just snowballed because I did well on Cats Countdown and because I did well on Have I Got News For You, really. Then yeah. they all they, they start coming back in and all the others start coming in then. But um, it was... Um, I mean, I'm so competitive with the things. I, pre- I over-prepare for everything, which, <laughs> which kind of you, works. I, I mean, I think you can, you can over-prepare for things that have got no prep in them as well in terms of... Um, panel shows if, even if they, they say there's no prep you can watch the episodes and get yourself in the frame of mind when i did cats countdown i knew it'd be really funny me not being able to play countdown but i thought what would be funnier if i, if I was fucking amazing <laughs> so i i literally like me wife actually was close to divorcing me because i watched like 80 episodes of proper countdown <laughs> and i like oh she was the bloody theme tune was driving her mad and i was i came up with ways of keeping the letters in me head and building the words in me head and keeping the numbers in my head and then went on and battered everybody. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and got the conundrum, which really surprised, because I couldn't practice the conundrum. But um, I managed to get the conundrum as well. I nearly had a panic attack. I don't. I lost control of my arms. <laughs> John had to do the buzzer for me because my arms just went, went all over the place. See, uh, I wouldn't be able to do it because I can't visualise things in my head. So I, I, I'd do that. You know. <laughs> if only it was written in front of you, Rich. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. If only there was some visual mechanism oh, yeah. for playing the I game. I forgot I could see. I was so into character, I forgot I could actually see. Um... But doing it, would I, I've never done what I like to you, so I don't know how that works, and I don't know how much prep you get. I don't know, and I've never asked anyone actually. But that's quite a, that is quite a full-on one to be your first. It is, yeah, because it's. I, I think it's the you know, it's it's the best one. I think of the panel show of the like the the, the sit down behind a desk panel shows. I think. Yeah, and and weirdly, when that that first one, um, the, the clip, my story that I did on it ended up being um, like like it went mental online. Um, but you do an interview with with the researcher, and they 
take you through all your past and your stories and you know holidays and and they just want to know kind of true stories from you and then we finished and then the, the researcher was leaving and my wife came in and um and and they were going and she said did you tell them about the neighbor downstairs and i said no it's not funny is it <laughs> and um and so i told the researcher about this fella who moved in downstairs who was deaf and basically i didn't know he was deaf and he didn't know I was blind. <laughs> and we both, thought, we both thought each other was being rude. <laughs> and, and genuinely, like, I was... Honestly, I was saying hello to him, and he was just fucking ignoring me. <laughs> but I didn't know that he'd been smiling and waving at me, and I was blanking him. <laughs> and I was just 100% what happened. And I was like, I remember saying to me, wife, have you seen that fella downstairs yet? And she's going, no, he's like, such a rude bastard. I've said hello to him three times now. Um, anyway, so we did, we did, we did that, that, that story on there, but that came from literally me, like, just something I didn't even think was funny in the moment. And they're going, have you said about the neighbor downstairs? And they loved, they loved that. Like, but yeah. would I lie to you? You can, you, can, you can prepare from the point of view that you know the true stories that you've told them because they're true and so you can always kind of um formulate a few little lines to throw in here and there if yeah. that story comes up because you don't know what story's going to come up um but you can always kind of do a bit of prep that way if it's a lie you've got no idea until you turn it over um what's coming up but you can you know and and as i say watch watch the episodes watch a lot of them because it gets you in the frame of mind for um pacing the story out and and dropping the little the, the nuggets at points that leave them asking questions you you can it is you can't i don't think you can really um do too much of getting yourself in in that frame of mind for a tv show in that um so that you're you're, you're playing it in that you can see what works and what doesn't yeah you know and, and play it in the way that you you think will work better even in a show that doesn't um, have any any prep, like have I got news for you? You'll usually know. Oh, that's going to be the main story this week because Boris has been a cunt uh, <laughs> or something. And you, so you kind of know that's going to, but you don't know that like they're going to ask you. Oh, and what did uh, what did he say on Saturday or what what was his thing with his suit or whatever? You don't know the little things, but you can read all the papers that week and you can write little gags or comments for stories just so that they're in your head if something does come up. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I massively over-prepare for it. Yeah, but it, it's worked, you know, because there you go. In those two or three, well, those three appearances, something's been picked out of all of them and then that, you know, and, then, and therefore you, you get offered more. So it, it's really interesting to see it when it happens to someone uh that it's you know and it, and it's sort of it, it's that it's that weird thing with you that it's that you you know I've, i remember we did a we did a double header didn't we with a pre of edinburgh shows that was yeah bristol was, bristol yeah which my mum and dad came and they they still talk, they still talk about you and how good that show was didn't it never mentioned my show but they they they, they loved you it must have been a while ago because my I think mum they left in the interval rich <laughs> <laughs> they saw you thought. Let's just say he's our son. He was so good. So you know, you, I, you know, I, anyone on the circuit know, knows you and knows you've been going for a long time. But it's sort of it's it's great to see that it can it can pay off. Uh, and it's you know it's it, but it's it's sort of fascinating, isn't it? That that that, that once you've got that, it snowballs, and then sometimes the yeah. snowball melts away, <laughs> and that's and that's it. You never know what's going to come next. I mean, it, it is the thing with the TV, with the, doing the TV shows that are like the panel things and all that, is that you are basically, you are living on other people's 
nothing's in your control apart from doing well. Yeah. But you are, you, you, I mean, they could decide at any point you've done it enough or we've had you enough or you didn't do well on one of them or he's lost it. You're, and you feel like you're kind of, um, you're, you're, you're on a ride, really, mm. and it could be taken away from you at, 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 any, at any point. Um, so all, all I can keep on, all you can keep on doing is, is preparing and, and enjoying yourself and not taking it for granted. Um, but it's um, it, it, it's amazing the difference that it makes for people coming to see you live. Yeah, like, uh, you you add up all of the shows that you've done in, ter- in in front of clubs, and you know, I mean, how many shows have I, have I done in clubs in Leeds over the years? And you think, well, I must have played in front of you know. Just, just thousands and thousands and thousands of people in twenty years in clubs in Leeds over the years. So, you know, if I put a tour show on there, I should be able to sell it out. And <laughs> you know, you do a tour show in Leeds with, without, and I'm just like, you know, thirty people turned up yeah. or something. But then you you start getting the building the profile up of the of the telly, and it's yeah. it, the difference is, um, is 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 staggering, really. Um, so it's very nice to be able to enjoy that at the minute. Good, I'm glad. And so the tour, which has been, was it? Has it been delayed a couple of times? Was it? Was a sort yeah. Of this has COVID been going thing. off a bloody donkey. <laughs> so this is one of the ones where um, you know I say I say at the beginning of the show that like because these this is the second leg now uh, that we've just started, and um, these tickets went on sale this year, uh, which is like just so refreshing. <laughs> because we did shows in April, May, and June, which went on sale in 2020. And I say in the show that those shows, there were people that had had tickets for over two and a half years. <laughs> About two and a half years by, by the time they got to see me. I say, I had tickets to see Guns N' Roses at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in July, and I had them for the same length of time that some people had tickets to see me at Swindon Arts Centre. <laughs> <laughs> and you, how do you live up to them kind of expectations? Um, but, um, yeah, so it was, it was kind of rearranged and rearranged and rearranged. But the thing is, is it was only meant to be this is kind of worked out in my favour, really, because at the start of the lockdown, I um, at the start of the lockdown, I had done live at the Apollo. Um, God, I'd done two live at the Apollos, maybe, and um, and I think just those three um, shows. Those. Um, so, if I got used for you, would I lie to you? And um, what was the other one I said? Cats countdown. Yes. I think that's all I'd done. And so the tour was going to be like 20 dates, kind of dip your toe in, see whether the telly's made any difference. Um, and, then, and then by this point now, I would have been doing a completely different tour show. Um, but because, I, because they were put off and put off and put off, and then I had more and more and more telly over the lockdowns. But every time they got rearranged, we added more. So those 20 dates now like, ended up being like 140-odd. Wow. Um, but like... I, it, it's still using it, it's still that show that I never got to do in 2020, <laughs> yeah. which I kind of you know took apart and rewrote, but it, the, it, the gist of it's the same. Yeah. Um, and and so, but I was still writing over the lockdown, so I feel like I've got a, a spare show in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> really? But it, it's interesting because it could have been it is you know I, I think about that a lot, especially like in terms of the Edinburgh Fringe. But for any. If you are just about to break in 2020, which I, I had to, in my 2020 when it, the year started, I thought, oh, this is, I've got Taskmaster coming up, I've got this Michael Palin's going to be on Hellestop, I've got loads of great things coming up, and then you know, and then the, the the year got taken out. But you were just at that point where 
this it could have been make or break, couldn't it? And, and luckily, it's the the impetus has stayed there. But it was it's it's sort of crazy to think that you just yeah. your star was on the rise, and then suddenly something completely unexpected. Comes yeah, in. I mean, I got I, I really I think I just got in with the um, with, with the panel shows just in time to prove me worth yeah. before um, before. We, we we went into doing the lockdown versions, and I mean the second the second episode of Have I Got News for You that I did, I did in my living room, wearing <laughs> a lovely iron shirt <laughs> and a pair of tracksuit bottoms and no shoes, because <laughs> all they could see was the waist up sat in my living room, and um, and like QI was, um, you know, I did it I did it in front of thirty people in a in a in a in a studio, and then in front of nobody. In a, I remember doing one one of those in front of nobody in the studio, and they had a Zoom audience, but we couldn't hear the Zoom audience, so we had no idea what anyone found funny. <laughs> but you just see so what you do is you just try and make each other laugh. So you know, I was with Jimmy Carr and that, and we, we you, you just do it as like a, this is like a fancy podcast. Let's just make each other laugh. But then when it's on the telly and they put the Zoom audience on and everyone can hear the normal audience laughing. They're like, God, they laugh at their own jokes a bit too much. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's all we had. That's all we had in the, in the, in the studio. Yeah. Um, but um, it's such a joy to have the audiences back for, um, of course. for, for, the, for, the, for the, the studio stuff. Brilliant. Yeah, and I should say the tour is called Speaky Blinder. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hate it, mate. <laughs> I absolutely hate it. I hate it. With every fibre of my being. <laughs> Obviously, Peaky Blinders, take the S off the end, put it on the beginning, right? Oh, I, just, I can't even explain how much I hate it. <laughs> First of all, I didn't want anything that was, like, on the nose like that. And I, I hate puns. I hate plays on things like that. And, um, <laughs> and lovely Justin Morehouse. You had Justin Morehouse I on? do, yeah, yeah. Have you had him on here? I haven't had him on here, unbelievably. Right. He's one of my, just one of my favourite comedians. He's, he's just... I mean, he's been going donkeys as well, and he's yeah. just astonishingly consistent. And um, he phoned me up. And he goes, I've got a name for your show. <laughs> I said, what is it? He goes, you're not going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> and he told me, and I went, oh, yeah, that's, that's, quite, that's quite amusing, mate, but nice one anyway. Made the mistake of telling me agent and the tour promoter. <laughs> and they went, that's fucking brilliant. That's amazing. That'll sell tickets. I said, no, but we can't have it. It's shit. He go, well, you think of something better and you can have that. <laughs> and I, I was coming up with all these different names and they were going, no, 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 no. And in the end, I thought, well, do you know what? It's only going to be 20 dates. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, do you know when you're a parent, like, and you, sometimes there's like, vic- there's, there's like wars that aren't worth it. You go, well, I'll just take this defeat now, knowing that they owe me a victory in the future. 20 dates, let's just call it that, and then we'll all move on. Bloody three years later, 140-odd dates. <laughs> Other side of a pandemic, and I'm... St- uh, yeah, anyway, I'm stuck with the, um, yeah. the name that I hate. Well, I think, you know, but it's good to, it's good to have a name. If, the, if people laugh at the title of the show, then that's... Uh, that's well, three people did, mate. Yeah, it wasn't... I've got a very sophisticated There was a audience. girl down here... And there was like two people over there. My my audience like joked about 18th century novelists. We 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 don't do the kind of cheap stuff here. Um, we, we wouldn't do cock jokes, for example. 
Um, so uh, no, it's you no, know, it's 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 a terrific thing. I was also noticed. You, I thought you'd be great having a podcast, and you did have a podcast, and you stopped doing it just before the pandemic. So that was that's is that you right? Know what? Like I'm, I'm, I, you wouldn't know this to like watch me on anything, but I I have such cripple imperfectionism. And I find it really hard to put anything out right. that I um, have created myself. I don't have it with stand-up. Stand-up's a lot... Um, I mean, you need to make your mistakes on stage with stand-up. Yeah. Um, but in terms of putting something out online, um, it makes me feel sick in my stomach. <laughs> and, and so I did this kind of podcast that was... It was kind of just an amalgamation of me talking about stuff that had happened at home and, um, and recording stuff when I was out at gigs, putting little clips of shit that happened with, like, with people in the crowd or, you know, back, backstage or in the car or whatever. Um, and and, it, and I, I became so obsessed with editing it and, and trimming out little bits and making it so... Just, like, I had to listen to it on headphones and go, oh, God, I think you heard a bit of my, uh, like, a, a bit of, like mouth noise on that. I'll get, I'll get rid of that 0.08 milliseconds <laughs> and if you can imagine how long it must take a blind fella to fucking edit something on the computer <laughs> it was um, it took me it, it took me so long but I, I find it very hard that's why I hate social media I I post something on social even if it's just a post just like a thing just like a funny little thing in my head that I think is funny and then for the next two hours I'm thinking oh god oh god what, what did I did I word it right <laughs> did, I, did I? I'll go back and look at it and go, oh, God, I should have worded it the other way. There's, there's redundant words in that. Or I, so I, I find it all quite crippling, so I stopped doing it. Right. Um, and it's not there. I couldn't find it. Or is it still, is it still up there somewhere? I have no idea, because I, I did this thing down. where you click a button and it puts it on different things. But right. There was no button to take it off the different things. <laughs> so I don't... I, maybe it is somewhere, but, um, but yeah. It was... Um, I mean, no, no one fucking listened to it, mate, to be honest. <laughs> Hasn't stopped me. <laughs> hasn't stopped stop me. Stop me, and certainly you're not going to get anything edited out of this. So you know yeah. that's, <laughs> that was the mistake you made. Don't edit a thing. Um, I feel like someone just has gone backstage. I thought I'd, I've heard loads of noises. I yeah, think, is it because you're blind that my hearing's become a lot better? <laughs> got, there's someone backstage walking around. There's there was like a tr- did someone hear a tube train go over the. <laughs> So, it's like, if you, if you, you do hear that tube train... If you can't picture this in your head, yeah. <laughs> when you hear the sounds, do you just think raw facts? <laughs> <laughs> just, just the, just, I don't know, just information. Is it just like, like the Matrix, ones and zeros? <laughs> it's like, it must be something like that. But it's been a lot of weird noises today. I think there's a church up above here. But what are they doing in the church? It sounds like a tube train. They were dragons. I think they've killed someone in the church. I don't know, mate, but there must be like a no WD-40 rule in churches, (laughs) 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 Um, Was the Royal Variety, was that one of the the socially distanced ones, or was that... No, no, it was... Do you know what? It was amazing as well, because um, I... um, It, it, like, oh, God, I was terrified. I I went to... It was in the Royal Albert Hall. First of all, it was wonderful. Everybody did well. Every single person on it did amazing. Partly because, um, you know, everyone had a good gig, but also it was the Royal Albert Hall. And I think there's, there's a, you hear horror stories about comedians dying on their arse at the variety. And often it's in a smaller venue. Uh, the Palladiums had a lot of them. Um, and I think that's like 2,000 people, but it's five and a half or something at the, the, the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah. So I think what you find is that you get a lot more normal people 
there. Uh, the demographic becomes just on <laughs> average more normal. Um, plus, everyone was just so glad to be out on the back of the, the, the pandemic. And Alan Carr was hosting, he did an amazing job. So the whole thing was joyous. But I, I was sat there the day before, you have to go in for a sound check. And um, I, I was sat there in an empty Royal Albert Hall watching Keala Settle do that song from The Greatest Showman. And she had this choir behind her. She had drummers around the room. And, like, I've watched The Greatest Showman about 20 times with my daughter, but I'm not usually a musical fan, like, in terms of musical theatre. It doesn't really... It's never really done it for me, but, like, I've, I've seen the film a lot, and I know that song inside out, really. Um, but watching it, it was one of the... Like, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a rock and I'm a metal fan. Yeah. It was one of the most powerful things <laughs> I have ever seen performed in front of me. I was like, I, just, I, I was sat there trying not to cry at it. I had this lump in my throat. It was so overwhelmingly emotional. And all I was thinking was, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> How, do, why am I, why am I on the same stage as this? This is astonishing. And then the next day you're there. And you wait, and me and poor Josh were pacing like, we, like we're on death row. <laughs> Josh Widdicombe. And at one point he goes, oh, Chris, I, I feel like we, we've, we've been in a car crash together and we bonded. That was, that was like zippy, that wasn't it? Jesus. Uh, <laughs> um, and honestly, the two of us were so nervous because he was... They show it on the telly in a different order to what it goes on in the, um, in the room. But he was following Matilda the Musical. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, just, I mean, that's just ridiculous in itself, isn't it? <laughs> it is. You've got, like, amazing kids <laughs> doing bloody scooters on stage whilst singing and dancing. And it's just incredible. And then, like, he's got to follow that. <laughs> I followed these German fellas that did this circus act. And there was like four of them or something. And they do this thing where like one of them lifts one of them up and he balances on his head. And then he lifts the other fella up. And then the, the, there's like this fella with three big German fellas <laughs> on his head. I say German fellas like that affects the balance. <laughs> <laughs> I should have just mentioned they were from Germany at the beginning. But I say it like, it's, do you know what? You'd think that was odd, but they were German. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know what Germans are like for balance oh <laughs> really odd centre of gravity back, they, to get, keep the balance like, <laughs> put a hand up um, but they were doing this thing what? and <laughs> I, I was stood in the side waiting to go on and all I could hear was music and five and a half thousand people screaming <laughs> and losing their shit at basically possibly the most visual thing on the show <laughs> apart from Cirque du Soleil and um, I didn't know what they were doing at the time I could just hear them going mental and then when you thought they couldn't go any more mental there'd be a little lull and then it'd just kick up and I was like oh my how do I walk out after this and just go hello <laughs> <laughs> um but luckily, they, um, they showed, like, a horrific um, variety video about um, whatever they were raising money for, about Alzheimer's or something. So I was like, really oh, thanks, fantastic. I've only got to follow the Alzheimer's video. 
with 2,000 entertainers every year develop Alzheimer's. Get in! <laughs> which, which royals were there? Was there uh, would, would, would you meet any of the... So, yeah, it was William any, and um, still Kate. Still alive. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was William and Kate. You, you meet them afterwards. Jo- Josh is hilarious. Like, as a, I mean, he's funny. he's funny as a comedian, but he's, he's also very funny as a neurotic bloke. <laughs> And we're stood, I'm stood next to him. We're in the lineup waiting to meet William and Kate. And um, Josh is now reliving the whole, like the, the sliding doors moment, mate. Right. But he's <laughs> waiting for them to come out, like living the fact that, oh my God, imagine if we died on our arse. How awful would this be now? <laughs> oh, he could, you wouldn't be able to make eye contact, which, <laughs> mate, you did really well. But imagine if I didn't. <laughs> So he's having a panic attack about what could have happened if he'd have done shit. Um, but you get told all of the uh, the do's and don'ts, and you're not allowed to um, don't don't like don't you touch them? Like don't like don't grab hold of them. Don't go to shake hands unless they go to shake hands with you. Don't like grab them for a selfie. You're like all just like. <laughs> Just th- the, all of these rules, these do's, and you're like, okay, we're prim and proper. And so you stood there waiting. And then um, William comes up, and like, honestly, he, he walks up and he just slaps his hand into mine. He goes, hey there, Chris, it's the Duke. <laughs> <laughs> and like, part of me was like, oh, okay, he's really quite, uh, quite chilled out and down to earth. And then the other part of me was like, did he just call himself the Duke? <laughs> <laughs> like, it was his nickname. Hey, man, I'm the Duke. Um, but he was really, really um, very down to earth, very relatable, um, very um, honestly. Talk, I mean, I know he's good at that kind of stuff. It's his job, isn't it? Yeah. But it was honestly like I'm. I'm not usually. I'm not really. Um, you know, a, a, like a, a royalist or anything like that. But I'm, I, I, I like being proven wrong with things. And it was like it was like you're chatting to like a cousin at a wedding that you hadn't seen in <laughs> ten years. He was very, very lovely fella. That's nice. Um, yeah, so that was that. I did the Jubilee thing as well. Did, oh, did, you? did you know that? No. So in um, really funny actually because um, the, the Jubilee thing when they did the buses um, going around London with people on the buses um, representing different decades and things, and um, the week before I was on Have I Got News for You, and Ian Islip started taking the piss out of it. Oh, apparently there's buses and there's going to be like. <laughs> celebrities <laughs> on the buses and I just thought get your fuck with that down <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of looked down at my feet and didn't I just kept I didn't mention I was doing it or anything I just um stayed quiet on that but um we went round on these um on these buses like waving at waving at people and um I was with Brian Connolly and I'd never met him before <laughs> Brian Brian Connolly and honestly he never he made me laugh so much we 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 um he basically stopped me waving the trees and stuff he told me which side of the bus to wave <laughs> uh, chris you can stop that side now you can stop that side um but we ended up at buckingham palace right and i'm stood there at buckingham palace next to brian Connolly. first of all he introduces me to harry redknapp that's a good day in anyone's book in it already right but then we stood there and ed sheeran comes out to play his song and Brian's here next to me. Got my arm around him. He's got his arm around me. We've had a bonding experience. <laughs> and he's going, Chris, I mean, he's just there. He's right in front of us. He's, I mean, like, I could walk down there now and get my cock out and a billion people would see my cock. 
a billion people. Imagine a billion people seeing your cock, Chris. <laughs> and so I don't know if the cameras ever show me at that point, but I'm crying with laughter while Ed Sheeran is singing quite a delicate, like, touching song. And I'm just laughing about Brian Connolly's cock. <laughs> The title of the show. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's the title of the show. What, what, what's the title? Brian Connolly's cock. Right. Or laughing about Brian Connolly's cock. <laughs> Just Brian Connolly's cock. I think. <laughs> that's, that's good. Uh, look, we're going to have to go in a second, but I should mention: Have, have you done this, the travelogue yet? The, the wonders of the world I can't see. Is this, so that's is a it? that's a working title. Again, yes. it's pretty on the fucking nose, isn't it? Mate? <laughs> Um, I'm, 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 we're, 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 um, I've told them I don't like the title, and right. we're, we're gonna, um, we're gonna, you know, look at that once we've made, see what we've made. But yeah, we filmed. it. Call right. it Peaky Blinders. <laughs> Peaky Blinders. <laughs> we've, um, we filmed it over the summer. All right, so cool. um, we went to, we went to Jordan, we went to uh, Greece, Rome, and Canada, because um, we figured there's not enough travel shows on the telly. <laughs> and the point of it is, is that genuinely, I'm not a. Um, I'm not really a traveller in that, like, I don't enjoy a lot of it and, and, and I don't see the point in going to places that are known for the one big thing that, they, that people go to look at. What's, what's the point? You know, if somebody's going to tell me what the pyramids look like, they might as well sit on my couch and describe a photo. <laughs> so the idea was, is that um, each episode would be me and another comedian um, and they would take me to these places and prove to me that there's more going on at these places than just looking at the thing that everyone goes to look at. Um, and it was um, it was really 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 fun. So, um, but we we did um, Jordan with Guz Khan, Rome with Tom Allen. I was just I mean, you think Tom Allen is funny, which he is, but like there's nothing funnier than watching him trying to maintain his sartorial elegance in literally 40-degree Rome heat. <laughs> and he's got a bloody blazer on, and he's got knee-high socks. And I, he, honestly, it was... Um, I was like, mate, just, just tone it down for a... For just, like, people will... People will understand, Tom. <laughs> um, did, um, did Grease with Harry Hill, which was oh, just phenomenal, because um, he, uh, he was such a joy. It was... Um, People, you know, it, it's it's a real treat to spend time with Harry being himself, uh, and because obviously he's got a very very particular stage persona in in terms of his comedy, his stand up. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and his surrealism. And um, but when he's just himself, uh, he's he's so funny and he's so engaging, and he and he's just such a joy to spend time with. Um, and then did um, Canada. We went to Niagara Falls with Lisa Tarbuck. Oh, terrific! And um, and you know, New Brighton would have been fun with Lisa Tarbuck. <laughs> we, we 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 did um, did all of that stuff, but that's going to be on Channel Four in um, in uh, January or February or oh, something. Brilliant, but... man! That's it's, it's really terrific. I'm so glad that all this is happening for you, uh, and you've absolutely uh, you know, there's many comedians who deserve it, but you absolutely have, you you do absolutely deserve to have all this success. Um, it's just, um, it's just, a, it's you know, it's just, you know, a shame that all of that, all of that stuff, mate. And this is, um, this is really the, the the last true thing I've wanted to do, mate. It's taken you ten years. <laughs> I've been trying to get on this podcast for ten years. <laughs> it's taken four what I like to use, yeah. mate, for you to even, <laughs> for you to even look at me. 
You gotta, you gotta, you, you know, it's a, it's a big. I've been abducted by aliens. That's right. We talked about those. This was backstage, wasn't it, backstage, mate? Yeah. It was backstage. I'm doing callbacks to jokes you didn't even see. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've, I've been emailing you a lot. You probably, you probably didn't see the emails, did you? So it's um. Um, uh, no, it's really terrific to have you on. I mean, the, the thing is, there's so many people from the circuit that uh, that I really want to have on, and it's just it is it's kind of difficult to balance everything. So eventually, I'll get round to everyone. And like you mentioned, Justin, you know, I can't believe Justin hasn't been on as well. So there you go. It's very difficult to get everybody on, uh, but uh, we've got you on. And thank, thank you, you very, very much. much for doing it. I'm re- very much looking forward to that show. That sounds fantastic. Do go and see Speaky Blinders, which seems to be going on for another th- thousand May days. to May. Finishing to May. in the Shepherd's Bush Empire. Oh, fantastic. And that's your 20 years in show business. It will be marketing. It would have seen so many concerts there, mate. So yeah. if, um, if it, it'd be, I just can't believe it. Like, it, I mean, I hope people turn up, otherwise it's going to be awkward, isn't it? But... Um, <laughs> But yeah, like I've seen Smashing Pumpkins there, so that's just mental to be um, <laughs> to, to be <laughs> playing somewhere that I've seen Smashing Pumpkins. Um, so yeah, Brilliant. ends in May. All right, fantastic. Go and see him; he's a fantastic comedian. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Chris McCausman. Thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thanks for sticking around. You have been listening to Rahana Stepper with me, Rich Herring, and my guest. Chris McCausland, this is Scant Regard. They're playing some music for me right at about now. I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. I'm also slightly indebted to my friend and colleague, Chris Evans, not that one, and all of his crazy team of Welsh misfits and little fictional characters that work for him. Uh, Thank you very much to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre for looking after me so nicely. Do come down and see us here. It's one day. We're here most Mondays. this is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStrike.com production. Head to RichardHerring.com slash gigs to find out when Rahulastapur is on live next and if you can get there and who will be on it. It's very exciting. See you in a bit. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love 
and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Thanks for listening. RichardHerring.com slash gigs. GoFasterStripe.com for all my books, downloads, all that sort of shizzle. Oh, yeah, I know all the cool words and um, would love to see you on the on the Can I Have My Ball Back tour if you can make it. Bye.